Well, good morning and welcome to Mission Vale Christian Church. I am so glad that you're with us today. I'm excited about the series that we're in. We're calling this Undercover Boss. We're going to look into the truths of God's Word over the next six weeks together and really see how sometimes there's some things that can be undercover in us without us knowing and how we can conquer over those things. So let's get right into it now, into the Word. As you notice, we are in the middle of a series called Undercover Boss. If you've seen the television show, uh, God was just really speaking to me about, you know, the next series that he wanted to be, you know, talking to all of us about. And basically, the show was about an uh, undercover boss that goes into his establishment, really wants to see what's going on, and so he works with the employees. I got to tell you, I'm kind of more on the emotional side of life, and so um, I'll find myself crying, on, uh, you know, after some of those episodes, find myself get a little bit angry, find myself a little bewildered, whatever the case. But I really think that, unfortunately, as followers of Christ, that sometimes there's some things that live undercover in us. As you saw the video, there's guilt, you know, shame, pride. Today, we're going to talk about the wonderful thing of anger. And how do we deal with that? You ready? Good, good. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and just um, turn there to Matthew. We'll be in 15. Before we get to that, I just want to hit a couple of things that are really, really important to all of us here at our team at MVCC. Anybody watching the Olympics? Cool. Go USA, right? Love it. Um, I'm glad I'm on his team, Jesus. I'm glad we're on his team, man. I want to be a part of a winning team. And of course, Jesus Christ, he won the victory at the cross. He forgave us. He set our life on a new course. He's transformed us. And best of all, man, we get to go to heaven when we die. Not because we're good, but simply because we've come to him. We've received him. We ask for forgiveness, and he forgives us past, present, and future. Now, that's something to be excited about. That's something to get our motor going, right? At MVCC, if you don't believe all that, or maybe you've got questions about the Bible, or maybe I don't really believe this Bible, or I've got to be honest with you, Mike, I don't even know if I believe there's a God, that's okay. I am so glad that you're here. We're all on this faith journey, right? And we just want to help you here. If you've got questions, concerns, uh, you want to know more about God, we just want to help you get maybe to the next step. So for those of you that are followers of Christ, and I just want to say thank you again to our worship team, who's not right here now, but man, that worship just gets me into a place where I can hear God's voice. And I want to hear, God, what you're constantly trying to communicate to me, because we, we want to be Jesus to this world. Now, I just want to say, Hitchhike, also let you know that uh, Pastor Zach, who's our youth pastor, took high school kids the previous week for an entire week of camp and junior high this last week here um, to junior high camp. And I just got to say, the reason I'm bringing this up is we believe, we believe everybody is valuable to God, but we've got to make sure that we're taking care of our young people. We want our young people to have a true encounter with God. And sometimes they need to get away from, would you agree? Right, right? 
And they need to be in a place where there's worship two times a day. They hear a message that relates to the stuff that our youth culture, they're walking through some really tough stuff. How do they walk through? My parents maybe got divorced or my one parent got cancer or I'm dealing with this or that or I'm just angry about this and I can't get into this school and what am I going to do with my life? The young people are dealing with all that stuff in a more of a pressure cooker way than my generation ever dealt with it. And we're very sensitive to that. So two things. Keep praying for our young people. And I'm glad. Thank you so much for your giving, your financial giving, because it enables us to have a staff that we can have all these great things for young people. But I want to ask you to really pray for this youth culture, that, that something would revive, touch them by the Holy Spirit power, that it would infect the entire church across America. Would you agree that we need a revival? We need to be woken up. Really, we do. We need to be woken up in the spirit. And we need this land of ours to be healed. And I just believe the best way to do that is to live for Jesus Christ every day and pray like we've never prayed and give like we've never given and serve Jesus and love people right where they are. Now, our vision here is real simple, real love on mission, is we just believe Jesus' example is the best. Jesus was real. He was down in the streets with people. He was authentic. Jesus loved everyone right where they were. And Jesus was certainly on mission. His mission was to get everyone possible to believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord, as our Savior, and get to eternal life. That is his mission. And he wants every single person. That is our mission. We just want to follow his example. And I think the best way to do that is to just be real, to love, and to show people that Jesus does give us a purpose for living. And would you agree that there's just a lot of kind of nonsense going on out there? People are looking for something of substance. They're looking for something real. I think people are looking for a Holy Spirit-powered life. Some of them just don't know it yet. I remember those days when I didn't know God. I was lost, and thank God God brought someone into my life that invited me in to take a look at the gospel and what it's all about. So with that being said... We just want so much for you to jump in with us and be on mission. Now, everything we do here at MVCC is always for his glory, man. I don't, I don't care if you remember my name or our pastor's names or the church. I want you to, when you leave this place, man, I love Jesus so much more. Can't wait to see Jesus. Can't wait. God, what are you going to do today with what I get, grabbed from you, God, today? And I want to encourage you, if it's just one thing that God has for you, let's go with it. Amen. Now, before we get to the text about dealing with anger, you know what is true? We all deal with a certain level of anger. And so um, I just want to make a reference back to 1 Samuel 19. You don't have to turn there, but you might just want to jot it down for a future reading and, and how David, who was called after a man after God's own heart, he dealt, his, he dealt in his life with a thing called anger. I just want to take you back to the sing, scene that King Saul was the king of Israel. God had called him. God anointed him. The Bible even tells us that King Saul was very tall in stature. He, uh, we have a sense that he had a kind of a commanding presence. When King Saul walked into the room, it kind of went silent. Everybody would listen to what this guy had said. He was God's anointed. He was God's first king of his people. Even though Saul loved himself, that was the problem. That was his downfall. Saul loved Saul more than God and more the people that he was leading. And there was one person in his way 
was David. David was a shepherd boy. David was out in the middle of nowhere in the pastures, and God saw this man. His heartbeat beats with mine. Every breath that he takes, he wants more of me. This man is a man after my own heart, and I can use a man like that in my plan. And God saw David and said, David, you're going to be the next king. And so he brings over Samuel. He anoints him with oil. He's going to be the next king of Israel. And while he's in this waiting period, this preparation time, he knows that it's not quite time for him to have the title. But what I love about David is he lived for the testimony. David didn't live for the titles. He lived for the testimony of knowing God. And that is why Saul wanted to destroy David. In this text, in 1 Samuel, we see that Saul tried everything possible to take him out. It even got so bad that he had, he had made a plan. While he was sitting on his throne, King Saul, David, he knew, was going to come into his courts. And he told his son, meaning Saul's son, Jonathan, I'm going to take David's life. Jonathan says, Dad, Dad, you can't do that. He's a man of God. He's a good man. He's, he's done all these things. He loves God. And plus, he's my best friend. Dad, you can't. So in the 19th chapter, it, it says that Saul relented and changed his mind. But he lied. While he was waiting on his throne... His hand on the spear, David comes in with his hand on the harp. Before David even knew what was going to happen, Saul hurls that spear right at David, and David does one thing. He ducks, and it goes right over his head. You see the visual with me? The spear is now sticking in the wall behind David's head. I think at that moment, I just, I want to ask you a question. What would you do? Really? Someone been after you? Someone made false accusations ever in your life? Someone lied about you, wanted your position? Jealous of you? Like Saul was jealous of David? Jealous of who you have as a family and you have a home in South County and you have this great job and people surround you almost like swarming you ever had that moment where you just, you knew you could take that spear, pull it out of the wall. Watch this, what David does. It's the hardest thing ever to do. He does nothing. Was David angry? I bet. Was David anger welling up within him? Probably we get from David through the Psalms that he was probably an emotional guy. But he does something that I don't, I want you to hold on to this visual. He keeps his hand on the harp. If I take my hand off the harp and look behind me and grab that spear and throw it, I have just now taken matters into my own hand. But what the text doesn't say, but I think is there, there was another hand in the room. God's hand was on David, right? God's hand was on this little shepherd boy, and he helped him, give him strength. That's why, man, if you're a follower of Christ, you got to have more of the Holy Spirit. you got to have God's 
spirit inside of you. He helps you with every move, every decision, helps you through difficulty, through anger, through rage, through disappointment, all those things that we deal with as human beings. He helps you. In fact, the Bible says he is the helper. It was one point in David's life when he felt so weak because he had blown it before God. He had committed adultery and even said, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. What he's really saying is, God, don't leave me. And God doesn't. God's hand is on you. Do do you believe that? I, I want you to believe that. I want you to know that from the word. But I want you to get that down in your gut. That no matter what you're going through, no matter how angry at times and seasons in your life you've been, and I include myself in that, God's hand never relents off of us. Whose hand, where do you have it? Is it on the spear? Oh, I forgot to mention this. David doesn't miss. Remember when he was fighting Goliath? Remember all of his brothers were there? David was at the end of the line. Nobody would ever consider David to go fight this great giant. The entire Israelite army was afraid of this over seven foot Shaquille O'Neal. And no one's going to go fight him. And he for days, remember, he taunted the people of God. I come to you with a spear. David goes, I can do it. I come to you in the name of the Lord. Remember that? And David, one shot, man. All he needed was one stone. He had that sling. Right in the forehead. So if David's going to grab the spear out of the back wall, he is not going to miss against King Saul, right? You with me? You see what I'm saying? He could have, he could have retaliated. Let anger get the best of him. Now, the reality is we all deal with a certain level of anger, don't we? In fact, I thought I'd put something up on the screen that um, maybe some of us deal with, if we're honest, and that is road rage, right? Let's lighten it up a little bit. I know that was heavy, first few minutes. We're talking about David and Saul. What happens when I get in the car? Has anyone ever experienced this? Of, of, of course, we've had people, but we, 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 people of God, people at MVCC, we would never experience ourselves road rage from the inside out. Interesting statistics about road rage. 80% of people admit to aggressive behavior while driving. That's not just people in some other state. 80% of people have admitted and of course, the second statistic is, I'm sorry, guys. I, I, you know, this is just truth. I'm not going to candy coat it. Guys, you know, we're a little bit more likely than women to experience road rage from ourselves. And really, what's the main trigger? We're late. We don't like to be late, right? Those of you who are more spiritual, you were on time in church. No, just kidding. California, watch this. Out of all 50 states, we are number three. We'll get it to number one, right? Keep raising those taxes. We'll get to number one soon. In all seriousness, um, when my father passed away two and a half years ago, and I just confess to you that um, I have the privilege, and it is a sincere privilege, to walk with people at some of their most mountaintop experiences of life, and I also get to walk with some folks who are deep, deep in the valley. And it truly is a privilege. 
because I know that God is faithful, that he can do anything. I have seen God do amazing things in a situation that looked absolutely hopeless. So I kind of normalcy to the five stages of grief and all those things. I know those in my head. I help people. Look, you're going to experience things when you lose a loved one. But when I lost my dad, I didn't know that after about six weeks later, I'm just angry all the time. There's this anger inside of me. And I couldn't even, I wasn't really mad at God. I wasn't mad at my dad. I just, I just angry, just ticked off. And just to give you an example, you know, a pastor's home as well, all of our pastors on staff, we're not always holy. Sometimes I'd go home and cross the threshold of my, my door and I'd see everything that's wrong in the house and I'd just get mad and I'm just angry and I'm going to go upstairs. I don't want to talk to anybody. So I, I understand that. I understand when there's someone who wants to take you out. Years ago, there were some folks who wanted, they wanted to take me out and just lies and all this stuff and false accusations. And there were some definite mistakes that I made in leadership, but not to the point that the stuff, and I wanted to throw the spear, right? I wanted to grab that sucker and one, just give me one shot, God, because I know you could have me right there between the eyes, Right? So we, we all deal with anger. It's just what level are we at? You know when Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, right? Knowing the truth about him, but also knowing the truth about myself. That's really, really important, which is where I want to go in the word now because God's word has such a wonderful prescription on what to do with all this, right? So Matthew chapter 15, if you have your Bibles, cool. If you don't, that's okay. We'll follow along here together. Matthew writes these words, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these things defile them. For out of the heart will come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, immorality, theft, false testimony, and even slander. So let's just be honest and open and real here that what's deep down in the engine room is where this stuff comes out of. What we are so famous in doing, and I do it myself, I find myself in the same situation. I'll blame her and I'll blame him. He's the problem. She did that. If they weren't, if they did this and he didn't do that, then I would And we start playing that game. And where's my focus? My focus now is out here. Rather than what Jesus said, look guys, here's how we do this. When you accepted me, you got into the boat, you're all in. So I want you to always be introspectively looking at your heart. And I'll help you in that. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to send you to hell because you blew it once. I want to work with you. So you got to be willing to cooperate with me in looking at yourself on the inside and saying, God, where do I need some help? The first thing I want to say out of the Matthew passage is Ephesians 4.26. I think it's really good for us to just get reacquainted with this again. Notice what God says about anger. He says, in your anger, do not sin. He did not say, don't ever be angry. Anger is a natural emotion. Anger is a very natural thing. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. I think what Jesus is saying so, so clearly is that if we allow anger and things that have happened to us fester and get off, it's talk, the Bible talks about a stronghold, a foothold. And it's almost like when, 
When the enemy, when we give the enemy the opportunity to slap some cuffs on the inside of my heart, we're the ones that are in prison. We're the ones that lose. So we can either handle anger one of two ways. Number one is some of us, and it's just how some of us are wired. I believe when, when God created us, we come pre-wired, right? Some of it has to do with our environment. Some of it has to do with family, all those things, our workspace. We, we hang, handle anger in an introvert way. We stuff this thing. We stuff it down deep, right? And we are certainly not going to let anybody know that we're really, really anger, angry. And so what we say is, oh, I'm not really angry, but I'm, I'm frustrated, right? So some of us, we deal with it by pushing this thing down, right? Or, like myself, I'm more of an extrovert type personality, so then I can get really loud. So I come from an Italian family, we just got loud. I just get loud when I get upset about something. So unfortunately, if we don't have this in control by the Spirit, this can become detrimental to myself and the people around me. Does this this make sense? I think what Jesus is saying to us today is, look, church, people of God, we got one shot at this thing. We got, a, we got a world to save. We've got people who are lost who need help. And I'm going to use you. I'm going to use your life. And it's so important that you cooperate with me. And we get these things like pride and guilt. And today, anger, we get a handle on this through letting God help us so that people can see a good representation of who God is. Does that make sense? I, I love God's word. I love what he says because it's just so brutally honest. Jesus got angry. Can we go there a second? Jesus walks into the temple. The temple in that day when Jesus was on earth was a representation of where God dwells, his presence. That's where the, 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 the offerings and sacrifices, they go to sing. They go to get teaching. They, they go to get right with God. Now, back in the Old Testament, the temple was a very sacred place. Only certain people could go into certain places in the temple. Not so today because Jesus, when he died, he allows everybody to come in to really what he calls the church and us as followers. We are the temple of God. So back in the day, we got to remember when Jesus was walking on earth, the New Testament hadn't yet been put into effect because Jesus hadn't died for the sins of the world yet. So when Jesus was walking on earth, he still needed to follow and adhere and honor the Old Testament. With me? So when Jesus walks into the temple, he sees the ATM machines. He sees loud, loud voices and music and people emptying all, emptying all these shekels into the loudest part of the colander that they would bring their offerings in to show how holy they were and how much money they gave to the work of God. And they saw a poor widow over here that was suffering and in pain because of what society had pushed her off into the sidelines of life and nobody was willing to help her. Jesus sees all that stuff and Jesus is angry. Jesus is ticked. But he doesn't get out of control. He makes a whip of cords and he begins, the Bible says he drives everyone out. Jesus never hurt an animal. Jesus never hurt a human being. He never harmed anyone. But he was so, so indignant. He was so angry about injustice. You ever seen something or experienced someone suffering and there's just this rage inside, this anger that because of injustice? I, I think a little bit of that is okay. 
Jesus was never out of control. And here's what Jesus says. You have made this place, this sacred place, where people come and find me. People come and get healing. They get prayers. They get the word. They get encouragement. You have made this place into a den of robbers. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And what Jesus is saying is it encompasses everything that my father's house is. My father is a father of love and compassion and mercy. He's not a God of condemned, uh, con- condemning and judgment. He comes in with mercy and grace. I am the Messiah to save you. He's saying all those things, but you have been ripping people off in the name of God. Let's go back in the back room and see if you've really taken the people's money and you really sacrificed the animals. Let's see what you're doing in the name of God. Jesus is angry. So lest we buy into this thing, oh no, Christians don't really get angry. If I get angry, I'm in sin. No, if I'm out of control and sinful because of my anger, right? We together on this? James, turn over to James in your Bible. James is about three quarters of the way into the New Testament. Let's just read chapter three. We're going to go 13 to 16 now. And then we're going to talk about practically what do we do. Man, I I want so much for you to get good spiritual food for your life that, okay, I learned some things, I learned one thing, and now I know this is what God is calling me to do. Amen? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. By deeds done in, here's the key word for this morning, humility. Right? That comes from wisdom. I want to just stop here before we read the next one. Wisdom comes from God. You want to be a successful parent. You want to be a successful husband. You want to be a successful wife, successful business, whatever. You get wisdom from God, right? That's available to us. It's wonderful. And so he says here in verse 14, but, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, In your heart, remember we talked about in Matthew 15, the heart. If we hold on to anger and bitterness in our heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Don't deny it. Oh no, I'm really not angry. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and watch this, even demonic, meaning that there's influence of darkness over us when we get out of control. Let's read verse 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil practice. So here's the question I have for us when we are angry. What makes you angry? If you're answering who, if I say, well, he does, she does, they do. We might be on the wrong path. Instead, it should be what right here, right? So that's why we go back to James chapter 3 when it says humility. I'm, I'm asking us to do something that the world will not ask us to do. 
your, your, your bestest friend in the whole wide world who's maybe just lost, he's not going to ask you, she's not going to ask you, hey, it's really good in this situation to humble yourself. They're, they're, that's, that's not the way of the world. Jesus says, followers of me look like me, and I want you to humble yourself. So, our pastors on our team here at MVCC, and I will be the first one, and I know that each one would give testimony to this. Sometimes in our marriages, we argue. Boy, the first service, they were like, we're so relieved. They even got some laughs, even got some claps, because they're just like one of us. Yep. My wife and I were in a discussion. This was last week. You know what's interesting? God always, he just, he pushes me into situations to say, first of all, do you really believe what you're preaching? And are you going to practice what I gave you? Because you never ask anyone ever to do anything you're not willing to do. So I said, okay, Lord, what do you got this week? So we're in a discussion. It was an innocent discussion. We were talking about this minute little thing about finances. One year, five year, 10 year plan. And, 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 and in, out of that discussion, there was some anger that was starting to well up within me. About something that was said. And as I'm getting angry and angrier and angrier, I remembered what I'm supposed to do. Can we put this up on the screen? What if, in the middle of an argument, what if in the middle of me being angry, instead of, why do you do that? You always do this. This is what happens. We're in this mess because of you. Those things that come to our mind, although we, we never admit that we say them. So in the midst of our discussion... Heated at the moment, my wife gets really quiet. I get louder, and she'll say things. You need to just tone this down, because we need to talk like adults. And then I get more mad, <laughs> right? And I started to hear myself saying, but if you didn't do that that way, we wouldn't. And really what the problem is, and I'm going to ask all of us to memorize this by the time we leave here today. You know what the problem is, Laura? I'm not getting what I want. Can you imagine if two people humble themselves to ask that question or to make that statement? How things would change the tone? And you're probably asking, what did I say next and what happened, right? I had to admit that I was afraid. At that moment, in that season, I was afraid of our financial future. So where does that come from? Now we're really getting deep. You ready? So when I look down deep in me, I must take a look at why do I have these beliefs and what is it in my circumstances that caused me to think that way and to walk in fear or to walk in anger? See where I'm going with this? Now I can start to unpack. Hmm. When we get to the root problem... Now Jesus can come and heal that problem. But if I'm, oh no, everything's fine, everything's wonderful. We really don't, we just argue once in a while. I really don't get angry. We're never going to get to the root problem. The, the, the physical therapist that I was going to when I had some, some uh, back issues um, says on his wall, we don't treat symptoms, we get to the root problem. I like that. That should be the church. That should be Jesus, right? He says that to the world. We don't just treat your symptom, we get to the root problem. And once you get to the root problem, he says, by my stripes, you are healed. He can heal us. He can fix us. 
He can get us on a right path. Even if we feel like, oh my gosh, this anger is just overrunning my life. Now here's the other thing. In answer to that statement, I'm not getting something I want. Now I put myself out there. Might as well go all in, right? Jesus didn't get everything he wanted. Jesus didn't get everyone he wanted. I know some of you might not like that statement. I, I, part of my job here to pastor us is not just make us feel good, but to make us think about things. If Jesus, well, let's just go to the scripture, 2 Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. If there's anyone here that's worried about the future, God, are you going to come through? I've been asking you for this for years. God, you haven't come through. Not that God's always going to do everything we want, but he'll always do what he wants and what's best. He's always going to stay true to his promises. Amen? As some understand slowness, instead he's, watch this now, God is patient. He's patient with us. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to be eternally separated from him. But he wants everyone to come to repentance. Why, why do I bring this up? Because I want us to be reminded that we have a God. You have a God that loves you, that's devoted to you, that traded his life for your life and says, now step into this incredible journey with me. And I want you to know, watch this. Don't just stay with me here. I want you to know I understand what you're feeling. I understand when you're not getting the childhood that you wanted. I understand that you didn't get mom or dad's approval, that it was always based on what you did. I understand you didn't get the nurturing and the love and unconditional from the guy that you said, yes, and I give my whole life to you. I Jesus says, I understand. You know when you come in contact with someone, might be your spouse, might be just a really close friend, and you just feel like at once there's this kinship. I, I feel like I can be vulnerable with you. I feel like I can be completely honest. I feel like I can just bear my soul, and it's just there's a comfort zone there. Isn't, isn't that the best? I just, I just want to go 10 steps deeper with that and say, Jesus is that for us. Amen. And even though he is the great and almighty God sitting on the throne and Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, Hebrews chapter 1, it says he's a man just like us. The God-man. Jesus' example is simple. Let's go to Philippians 2. Jesus, who being in very nature God Almighty, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Isn't that wonderful? That Jesus became one of us. And he chose through his life to be humble, 
so that we could capture the essence of what it means to be one with Jesus, to be a follower of Christ. Can I just say this before we wrap this up? You can't get everything you want. Not even from your spouse, from your mom, from your dad, from your sister, from your job, from your boss, from your coworker, from the person that's in subordination. You can't get everything you want. I think, to be honest with you, that's where I struggle because I have high expectations of everything. When I get on the tennis court, I think I'm going to play like Djokovic. <laughs> Pastoring, I want to I do my very, very best, and I expect the best out of myself and our team and all of you. I just have these high expectations. I can't get everything that I want, but what's important is I get what he wants. So, Let's go back as we wrap this up to David's hand, remember, was on the harp. How do I keep my hand on the harp when I really, I really want to throw that spear right there? So some questions. What is my relationship with anger right now? Let's just, on a scale of 1 to 10, not going to ask you to raise your hand. On a scale of 1 to 10, where do you feel like you're at with anger? 1 being nil and 10 is extreme. I'm, I'm not asking how you express your anger. I'm just saying right now, what would be the relationship between you and anger? Do I shout out or do I shut down? Shutting down can cause people to then shut down around you. Shouting out makes people run away. We want to handle it the way Jesus taught us. What are your triggers? Sorry, I just have to mention this again because I can't get it off my brain. But a long time ago, a friend of mine said, if you don't want to slip, don't go where it's slippery, right? So I got to know the triggers. What are the things that cause me? Remember, we're looking here. It's not always looking at the other person. Causing me, what are the triggers in here? I got to be aware of that. Just man up. Let's do it. And are, are you ready for change? Let's stop the cycle now. Some of you maybe have walked in here in this moment. You wouldn't believe. Mike, you wouldn't believe what happened last week. We had this incredible explosion. And could it be that God is allowing something to stop a behavior that was going to spin so far out of control, it really would have gotten worse? So I'm asking us, are we ready for change? Let's do this, right? Are you ready then to humble yourself? I don't want to humble myself. I don't. I'm a guy. I have ego. I got some pride in there. You humble yourself first. Ever thought that way? No, Jesus says, I'll go first. I'll come to earth. I'll lay myself down on the cross. I will rise from the dead. I will go through the torture and beating and humiliation and false accusations because I love you so much. And so that really is the posture for a believer now, right? We're willing to humble ourselves and go first. So let's just um, end with some final thoughts here. As we get to the, the last one there was, who's got the upper hand? Really, David had the upper hand, didn't he? So what are we going to do about this? Forgive those who have hurt you. Sorry. <laughs> I know you don't want to hear that one. That's a tough one. But Jesus said it. 
Unless you forgive others, I will not forgive you. He said that. Now, does that mean we have to always be in this relationship with someone who's toxic? Some relationships are just, they're always on fire, dude, right? They're just always waiting to blow up. Does that mean I have to step into that relationship? No. But Jesus does call me to forgive that person. And it may not be impossible to, 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 to say, will you forgive me? Because maybe they're, they're passed on or maybe geography or maybe just to contact that person is not a good thing. But you can forgive in your heart. If I don't do that, if, if you don't do that, if we don't do that, I have forever then locked myself into a prison. And then the anger and bitterness, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And then later we're married or we have kids or we have grandkids and it just, it just blows up like a volcano because I didn't get to the root problem, right? Let go. Let go of angry feelings toward anyone. I know you're probably asking, how do I do that, Mike? I just, all I know is scripture and just some personal stuff, man. David never left his hand off that harp. Could it be that worship is the way out? Could it be that there's healing and there's power when we come together and we worship and we sing to God and we consecrate our hearts to Jesus once again, all over again? Let it go. I am amazed that sometimes I will come in over here, standing right there next to the third seat, and I'm thinking about all these things I got to do all day long. I'm thinking about things that I'm angry about. I think about things that frustrate me. Oops, sorry. I choose to get angry about. And then when these songs come up and the worship team's leading me, my heart gets in a whole different spot, right? Right? Recognize the warning signs when anger gets a foothold. If you, if me, if we have a problem with anger and we're just not able to get over it, it's okay to talk to someone. It really is okay. And maybe even talking to a professional because there might be some deep stuff that we've stuffed and they just have a God-given gift to bring some of that out. And then we can deal with it. God can deal with it. Step out and do something for God. Help somebody else. I know that sounds trite. I know that sounds really simple, but it just is so biblical. When I get outside myself and help somebody else, it takes the focus off my mess, my childish behavior, right? It just, it just gets my focus on what Jesus said to do. Love, serve, do good, bless others. Learn to say, come on, let's say this together. You ready? You know what the problem is. Oh, come on, we can do better than that. Don't all fall asleep. I know the Texas barbecue. We'll get out there in a second, but come on, let's finish this. You know what the problem is. I'm not getting what I want. <laughs> After I said that to my wife, it was able to de-escalate. God just intervened, and then it was a little tension for four days. No, three days couple hours. <laughs> it just sets me in a right, righter place. So I, I want, really want to help you with this. I hope that, man, the word, the word, the word is what helps us get to a better place. Amen? Yeah. Father, I just thank you so much for, God, your word is so awesome. It's so right. It's so deep. And yet, God, it's so simple. If we just if I just do what you told me to do, I know that, like David, I would see more of your hand of favor on my life. God, I just pray in this moment of decision and reflection that, God, um, we would just give you this time for you to help us, God, to make that, 
that wise choice that we were reading about in James, that, that choice that says, yes, it's got wisdom all over it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I just want to remind you that we have two services every Sunday, 9 and 11 a.m., both live and online. And we really look forward to seeing you again next week.